if this is your first time here, I hope you just find yourself at home and at rest. Uh, if you're home for the holler, uh, holidays, I about said holidays, like I was some kind of redneck or something. But um, it, it's, uh, it's good to see you, and we're just really glad that you're here. Just pray that you can be encouraged in this time. I just want to do kind of a standalone message today, just sharing on Welcome Home and just really what this journey's looked like this year. And uh, it's been an incredible 2013. Uh, in my life, personally, some of you may think the opposite thinking this is the worst year I've ever had in my life. It's been crazy for this or, or that. Um, but I, I pray just in this moment, just as I share just scriptures that have really transformed me, and I believe this community uh, as God has led us and directed us and pruned us and, and uh, disciplined us, I, I pray that they would just be an encouragement to us in our faith uh, and, and just uh, through the testimonies and different stories. So I'm just going to share my heart. Is that okay? Just to just, just sit down. We all just take a deep breath and just share heart. Uh, we've got a big day coming up in a couple of weeks for our, our one-year anniversary, and we, we just want that to be a major day. We've got tons of invite cards. We just want you to grab those and just grab your friends, family, um, any strangers on the street, and just um, bring some people along with you for that day just so they can really get a, a chance to encounter what Fathom is about, and most importantly, what Jesus is really about, and what we're doing our best to embody. And so for, for those of you that don't know, we, we're a really new church. Um, we, we just started uh, January 13th, officially, of this year, so we're getting ready to come up on our one year. Uh, but before that, I, I just reflect on, on really the scriptures and, and the things of how God just blew my mind this year, and it, it was such a journey of faith. And I love how God just transforms us and our faith can grow. And so if you even feel right now that you're facing some really big things, but you don't feel like you have the faith to, to, to kind of get over those or get through those, um, know that that's not the only faith you're going to have. Our faith increases as, as we walk through difficult times, as we walk through these experiences that, uh, with God, our faith grows, and we get a real chance to, to, to do incredible things for God as we step out in faith. And that was kind of the journey for us. It started with faith, and we were uh, working at, at a church in Georgia as worship pastors and, and young adult pastors serving there. And, and we just felt this stirring for nearly a year that something was changing. I mean, I literally told my pastor, it was more than a year, I told my pastor that I was working for, which for those of you that are familiar with church stuff, this doesn't, or even job stuff, you want to wait till like two weeks till you're ready to get out of there, right? And then like just in case he says, okay, get out of here now. And so I, I just, I felt comfortable. I had an incredible pastor that had a high character and he pastored me. He didn't just boss me. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. And I told him a year in advance that God's doing something in our life and we don't know what that is. And so I really begin to identify with Abraham in Genesis 12, 1, when he, he was called of the Lord. And it says that um, God told him, you know, you know, just go to the land. I'm going to show it to you. And I really begin to identify with this Genesis 12, 1, this call of this guy Abraham, that God had, had a special work for him. And, and you may be in this place right now where you've kind of felt something going on in your life spiritually. You felt like something's stirring, this is happening, something else is going on. You can't really wrap your brain around that. And we're really drawn and we want answers. But there's, some, there's something really powerful about waiting. And we just kind of said that in that song, we wait for you, Lord. And, and I, I wonder, like, because many times we just settle. And I, I wonder how many times we've forfeited just the best things for the things that are just good or okay because we want it now. 
We're going to talk a little more about that here in just a minute. But just, it was a journey of faith. I mean, just to take off and not really know. And so we, we had said we're taking off. And then we got here and, and began to, to, to kind of put together a team that, that we figured just find people on the street or call people. And like, hey, I heard you live here. You should quit what you're doing and come do this. Uh, not ripping people out of churches, but um, most of them were, were moving in the city or just new people were meeting that just moved here. And uh, it was incredible. And uh, we, we just felt this for a long time. I got here last uh, April, uh, April of 2012, and we just began to knock on doors and, and pray for a place for us to gather like this. And we didn't really have answers. We were meeting in my home, and, and we just, we, had a, we have a really large vision for what God's going to do through Fathom. And and our little studio apartment type thing wasn't really going to fit a lot of those people. And so we just were praying about that, knocking on doors. And it was really frustrating. And it was really daunting to not have answers. And when I had this vision of what it's going to look like, and to not look like that and not to happen in the time that I wanted to. Um, but just about a week and a half after we met, God opened the door for this property. And it was offered to us, you know, debt-free and given to us. It was just incredible, an incredible miracle of God. And one of the coolest things about faith is um, I, I, there's, there's crumbs that God leaves us along the way, if I can put it like that, to continue to lead us to the journey. And right then, we, they don't seem like a whole lot, and sometimes they, they seem like everything, like that's all I needed, God. I didn't need some major sign in the sky, I just needed someone to hug me. You know, sometimes that's all we need. And, and for us, it was actually a pretty large thing when we got the keys and we were coming down here for the second time and it was a mess and we had a lot of work to do. Um, but we went to our mailbox when we were heading out and um, there was a check for $10,000, um, which was a major, major deal for us when we didn't have any, like, mo- any money like at all, really. We had we'd spent uh, a month and in most of 2012 raising funds, just be on the road. I put like 30-something thousand miles on my car just traveling and um, leading worship and speaking and, and encouraging people and not really asking for money most of the time, just saying, hey, I want to encourage you in your faith, kind of what I'm doing now. And, and, uh, and God blew our mind with a $10,000 check the moment we were heading down here. So it was just like a, like a, a stamp of confirmation. And for those of you that don't know, it doubled our budget. We had a budget of about $120,000 for our first year, just wherever we were, rentals and stuff like that. And when we said yes to this property, it doubled it. We needed a hundred grand right then to renovate this property where you would come and actually stay. <laughs> where you wouldn't walk in and be like, okay, this is not for me. Um, I, you know, so that's neither here nor there. But just an incredible journey of faith. And, and that, that faith is really revealed. There's so many things that are revealed about our calling in the waiting. And you may be waiting in this place, and I just want to encourage you. You may be waiting for something that you feel like is so far in the distance and you can't put your hand around but, but just have faith and, and look for, for the crumbs on the ground. Sometimes those crumbs are bigger than others. Um, but that faith, that, that, that identification with Abraham was a major thing. And just to, to set out on the journey, um, even when you don't see the end goal. And that's really the essence of what faith is, to believe before you see, right? Some of us believe we're Christians and, and, we, and we believe we have faith, but when it comes time to actually have faith, where God tells us to do something that requires faith, we realize that our faith tank is pretty empty, right? Let's just be real. I'm, I'm, I'm being frank and honest. It's, we find that sometimes. We feel like, yeah, man, we're, really, we're, we're doing great when we're on the mountain, but when things are tough and like there's no end in sight, it's really tough to believe at those times. I think that's really where the world begins to see our faith is, is when that faith is tested. 
And it's a beautiful thing. And so if you're in that place of almost you have to believe when you, when you can't see, just, just keep, I want to encourage you to keep believing. Keep believing in two, for th- 2013 into 2014. Believe that God, those things are going to come to pass. Uh, and just because they don't come in your time doesn't mean you give up on them. So that's a, a, a big deal. Um, and God just began to lay a burden on this community. It's a weird thing to just come in and transplant. Um, just par- what they call parachute plant, which is what we did. We just kind of came in and drop in because you know no one. I mean, I mean let, me, let me think here. Um, 100% of the people in here I did not know um, a year ago. Um, it, it's, it's incredible to, to see how, how God's just bonded these relationships. And I feel so close to so many of you, um, but God just laid a burden on our heart, and it just happened in a moment where God was like, go to South Jackson. It wasn't even Jacksonville. It was South Jacksonville, and um, the, God just began to refine that to right here, and, and as I see the growth of Bartram Park, as I see the growth of Saint John, North St. John's County um, with 9B and so much of it, it, it just begins to be confirmation of why we are here. There, we have a unique voice in this very community. Jacksonville is too, but this very street. If you drive up the street, there's a lot of churches, and I believe that many of them are doing incredible works, and we're not here to tear any of that down. We want to encourage that and build that up in any way that we can. Um, but God's given us a unique voice for a unique audience and um, to, to be who we are, um, to, to who he puts in our place. And, and we begin to put plans in place for what this would look like. And uh, kind of as we kind of got on this journey, I begin to see myself very much not just identifying with Abraham, but Nehemiah. Some of you are familiar with Nehemiah. I referenced him a few weeks ago in a, in a message. But Nehemiah was a cupbearer, not really a um, major role. I mean, they could put anybody in that place to test the wine and make sure it wasn't poisoned or test, the, test uh, what the king was drinking to make sure no one was plotting against him. Um, but uh, I, I began to identify with Nehemiah because God had called to him to a rebuilding work. And, and my heart had been broken so many times for the church, the big C church, the, the global church, because I, I felt like um, our, the voice of what scripture in this church that we saw in the Bible, I didn't see it everywhere. I saw it in places, but honestly, you want to know where I usually saw the church being the church? was outside of the United States. And um, the United States has actually turned into a mission field. You know, there's missionaries from China that, and Africa that come to the United States. And, and especially here in the South, there's... Um, I feel like it, it, everything's become a, it, it's a microcosm for the, the larger church in America because it's so populated with the church. And um, a lot of de-church folks, a lot of people that have been hurt by religion and, and legalism and you name it. And uh, God just began to lay this burden. That's the same thing that happened with Nehemiah. God laid a burden on his heart and he asked his brothers, what's going on in the city? And he's like, the people are all over the place. Our walls are burned down. It's a mess. Um, people are really upset. I mean, they're all over the place. They're just weeping. And, and Nehemiah began to weep for the people. He had, he, he's living in the king's palace, but he began to weep for the people. And God just began to give us that burden for this city, for, for people that um, didn't know what it meant to have a, a loving relationship with Jesus Christ and what it meant to be loved with the family of God. And that burden um, w- was literally just illuminated immediately when God told us to come here. And um, I remember years back when I was in college, I, I, there was a time I was in a class that was really, went to a Christian 
college and studied pastoral ministry, some of you wonder, like, how do you get qualified to do this? Well, degrees don't qualify you. God quali- calls you and qualifies you. It's, that's just something that I chose to do and how God led me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was studying in pastoral ministry on how to, how to do this whole thing. And, and uh, I, I had to be honest with God one time when uh, I had a professor that was really teaching on having a heart and a con- caring and compassionate heart. And I just was really frank with God. And I was like, God, I really don't care. <laughs> like, I think this is a problem. I'm not totally sure. But to what you've called me to, I think this could be an issue. So I don't know how to make myself care. And so I just said, God, give me your heart. Give me your eyes. And, and it was the simplest of prayer. And it was the, the most honest I've ever probably been in my entire life. In that very moment, just say, God, I don't even care. And uh, let me first tell you that God can handle your honesty. God's okay with that, okay? He knows anyway. You, you experience a lot of freedom when you're just honest. And, and one of our core values is authentic community. And that authenticity is attractive. It, it's, it's attractive. It's what draws people into a family where they can feel welcome. And I'm really proud of our community because I feel like we've really embodied unconditional love and authentic community. We are who we are. You may not like us, but this is who we are, and we're not perfect, and we make that claim. We put that disclaimer out. We're not perfect. Um, but that, that, that authenticity really freed me and really brought me into a closer relationship with God, almost in, in a simple momentary prayer. And um, that, that kind of stirring for a calling and for a community was had started long before, but God just deepened it as we moved here. And you may be in that place right now where, where you, you just, you're kind of floating through life and kind of doing some religious deeds and religious acts. But, but when you find hurting people and when you find people who are desperate or angry or broken, uh, many times we move to more frustration and anger than we do compassion, and, um, and that's not what we see in Jesus, and so I just want to encourage you to let God at, be real with him, and just say, God, give me that passion, and, and the amazing thing I love about um, Nehemiah is just, he, he saw so many critics, there was a lot of people that did not want to see happen, rebuilding the walls in 52 days, which was a major accomplishment, it was miles and miles, and you can think with our technology now, how long does it take to get construction work done, dear God? It takes forever. You can always count it's going to take twice as long and twice as much, you know, and, and we're used to seeing roads not finished for 10 years, right? I mean, you drove on the interstates, or it's like, how long is this road not going to be fixed? In 52 days, they rebuilt entire walls around Jerusalem, an incredible, incredible feat with people that were not qualified to do it, people that were scattered around all over the place. It was just an incredible work uh, of what God did in Nehemiah and allowed him, but there was a lot of people that were against him and not a lot of people that were for him. There was murmuring in the camp. There was people who would do everything they could. They tried to set up meetings with him in order to tear down the work, in order to trick him and, and hold the work back. And, and if I'm just being really transparent, we had some of that very early on. We had that very early on. I, I can't tell you the number of Facebook messages and emails that I received um, that were very, they were brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but wanted to do everything they could to question and criticize the work here. People that had never come here, that had never met me in my entire life, 
And, um, and, and we got to the point where we're like, hey, we love you. We would love to meet you. We would love to be friends. If we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we should act like it and not hide behind this facade of um, brother and sisterhood and just be critical and look to tear down the work of God. And just wasn't going to put up with it. But I can say that now in that very kind of strong, encouraging way, but then it was hard. It wasn't a lot of encouragement. I, I, I didn't know many of you at that time, and um, if we did, we didn't have really deep relationships yet, and so it was very discouraging. And, and there's that time in our life. I, I, there's a book Bruce Wilkinson wrote years ago that's called The Dream Giver. If you have like just a dream that God's going to do something in your life or a calling that you feel is bigger than yourself, I, I would encourage you, pick up The Dream Giver. If you want a book to read in 2014, pick this up. And he just paints an incredible portrait. And, and, and some of the people in our lives are, are just the, the naysayers and the people that will be critics and do everything we can tear it down. And for some of you, it hurts really bad because it's the people that are closest to you. It's your moms and dads. It's your brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, in, in your... Um, you know, earthly families, and, and it hurts. Um, but, but with that, there's always encouragement along the way. We, we saw encouragement from people on the other side of the planet, literally uh, in, in Australia and other countries that would encourage us. People, missionaries we met from around that would just say, thank you for your podcast. We believe in what you're doing. Thank you for the message of Jesus and grace that you present. And um, we were just encouraged by that. And I got to meet so many of you that that you didn't know a whole lot and you had a lot of questions and a lot of anxieties about this and certain things that maybe you weren't sure if it was a fit or not, but you just said yes and threw yourself into ministry. And that's why the walls are rebuilt. That's why there's a sense of community and trust here is because we joined together in unity to do the work of God and didn't listen to critics. And you may be in that place where you've got critics, there's lots of obstacles against that, but one of the things about Nehemiah, he had to ask the king for a lot of things. And if you're in a place where you believe that God's called you to do something, ask for him, ask him the things you need. Jesus said, you, you have not because you ask not. Ask God for the things you want. For, for 2014, some of you, we, we just got to grab a hold of at, praying bigger prayers. You know, the size of our prayers reflects the size of our belief about how big God is. And some of you, you've been, you've been praying to get a, a, a $7, $8 an hour job, just a minimum wage job so you can survive. You need to pray a bigger prayer. Um, some of you are, are just asking that your family wouldn't hate you, you know, that you haven't talked to in 10 years. You just need to pray a different prayer. Some of you are asking to, to be removed from the situations you're in. You probably need to ask for a bigger prayer and allow God to inspire us. Uh, you know, the, the size of our prayers reflects the size of the God that we, we believe that we serve. And so I want to encourage you to pray bigger prayers in 2014. Know that God will inspire you in that. So just this journey from faith and, and, and with faithfulness in the calling that he's given us beyond critics and just expanding that, that, that fold of influence, um, we, we just saw this incredible year um, that, that God's brought us into and through. And, I, and I'd be lying if there wasn't really hard moments for me as a pastor of Fathom this year. And for many of you that have been connected here, there's been really hard moments for you. Whether it's volunteering, whether it's serving when things aren't perfect, whether it, it's loss of friendships and, and people that would move and move out. 
there's been hard moments for us, but it's in those things that we just find real faithfulness. And one of the most powerful texts that I experienced just as we're kind of traveling through this past year happened um, in September, October. Uh, many of you knew that, uh, that, that we had uh, went with a, a certain model for our leadership um, in, in this church. Uh, we, we just called people and brought them together and said, hey, believe this and dream this for us. And I told them from the very beginning, I want you here as long as God has you here. I don't want you here forever. I want you to be in God's will wherever that's at. And um, I prayed that would be much longer than what it was. And, and uh, some great friends of ours and great leaders in, in this church, um, God called them elsewhere. And I believe that God sent them elsewhere. Um, I, I believe that God prepared them in their time here for what they're doing now, serving at churches and, and, and being missionaries and you name it. Um, and and I'm, I've been so encouraged by that in, in hindsight. But at the time, it was very difficult. It's very difficult, and I just prayed one time, and I just said, God, I need you to reveal yourself. I open the Bible, and I don't often do this. I really have a plan. Like, God, I just want to dive into this text, and I'm really doing that, but this moment, I said, God, I don't have, I don't know where to go. I need you to speak to me now. I opened the scripture, and God led me to Isaiah 26. He didn't lead me to any other scripture. The first text he brought me to was Isaiah 26. If you'll throw that up, I want to read that, um, a handful of verses out of this. For a guy that was struggling and that was a little bit heartbroken, um, this resonated with me. Lord, you established peace for us. All that we've accomplished, you've done for us. I mean, that alone, I, I didn't even need to go further, and I'm like, this is going to rock my world. <laughs> God, you established peace for us. All that I've accomplished, you did for us. And I can say that about this church, that there's been moments, very brief moments, in which I've felt anxiety of how are we going to survive financially, where are the volunteers, where are the leaders going to come from. You know, I've been frustrated about different things, but I've felt at peace the entire year. I felt extremely confident, far beyond peers of mine. And I don't say that as a bragging, I say it thanking God that I have planted churches and all I heard was horror story after horror story. And I could never have a horror story about this. Crazy stories, but not horror stories. And, and this verse speaks everything. God, you established peace for us. And you may be in that place right now. It, it's been turmoil for 2013. That's the word you could use to brand this year. Or, or any number of other words for you spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially. But remember this. God, you established peace for us. And all that we accomplished, God, you did for us. I can say that about this work. I can say this about it. Um, verse 13. Lord our God, our other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone do we honor. I just felt this as a pastor. I, I, I not only see things with physical eyes, but I pray that God will give me discernment, which means just the ability to discern and understand what's happening in, in our lives spiritually as a whole. Some of you I get to have conversations with to know what's going on in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I know what's going on in my life, the good, the bad, and the bad, and the ugly, but many times I don't have all these interactions, and I just pray, God, help me to have a, a sense of what's happening in us as a community. Are we experiencing heartbreak, or are we discouraged? And, and that's really where God leads to, to share encouragement in times like this. But there's, there's been moments in this year that I've felt this is true. Other lords besides you have ruled over us, but... Your name alone do we honor. And I just made that declaration. God, I know we often get off track and we struggle in our flesh, but God, you're who we honor. 
hear who this is about, verse 14. They, now, they are now dead. They live no more. Their spirits do not rise. You punished them and brought them to ruin. You wiped out all memory of them, verse 15. You've enlarged the nation, Lord. You've enlarged the nation. You have gained glory for yourself. You've extended all the borders of the land. I love that. Verse 16. Lord, they came to you in their distress. When you disciplined them, they could barely whisper a prayer. There was, a mom- there was moments throughout this year that that is so vivid. I sat in front of people within this community that they were so broken that they could not even whisper a word to me, where we sat in silence for 30 minutes to an hour, just sat with them, because they couldn't even whisper a prayer. They couldn't even whisper a word out, because that's how their heart ached for what was happening in their life at that moment. So this resounded with me. Verse 17, as a pregnant woman about to give birth, writhes and cries out in her pain, so we were in your presence, Lord, a lot of us, um, I, felt, I felt organizationally and physically at times, we were just a baby and a pregnant woman that was crying out for just something deeper and for things to be at peace. But I've I really felt this for our community that at times we just cried out like a pregnant woman that's in pain. Um, and I've felt that as, as a pastor at this church and so we were in your presence, Lord. Verse 18. We were with child and we writhed in pain, in labor. But we gave birth to wind. We've not brought salvation to the earth and the people of the world have not come to life. This sounds really discouraging, but <coughs> it goes all back to God having his way. But your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. Um, I, I love just how raw the, the prophets are. And, and, and this is just, I think, about removal of us making it about ourselves and thinking that we, when we do it ourselves, we just give birth to wind. On our very best day, uh, everything that we can offer, God, he, he offers us and it offers through us. Um, but I just believe this. I believe that we've only scratched the surface. I believe that God's gonna empower us as we sang in a song, anoint us for the greater things. I believe that that's what God's doing for 2014. As we just, our faith is encouraged, we become more and more faithful. We just begin to be, become more and more discipled. I, I believe that God is, is going to bring this kind of favor in our lives in 2014. And it's an incredible thing is, so I, I've identified with Abraham and Nehemiah and now with Isaiah, one of the prophets. And um, I, I can just say that the it looks so differently, but so much exactly in line with what God called us to. I, I saw this uh, TV show uh, this week, just taking a little downtime, and um, show American Pickers. You guys know what that show is? I haven't watched it in a long time, but it happened to be on. I was watching it, and there was this guy who was from California, and he was the guy who really started customizing cars back in the 1950s, 1960s. Start customizing cars. His, one of his first cars that he customized was the, the original Batmobile for the Batman TV show. Like, very cool car. And so these guys are, are just taking a tour. He's got some other things he's going to sell. But he was talking, and he was sharing the story about being up on the hill. They're just getting ready to film the first scene on the TV show Batman. It's not like there's no Dark Knight Rises, all the movies, Batman Forever. This is a long time ago. 
and they're shooting the TV show. Some of you guys didn't even know there was a Batman TV show. Um, and they're shooting the TV show, original car, and they've got it up on this hill out in California, and he's got the thing painted, and it looks cool, but he says it wasn't popping off of the screen. Something wasn't right, and so right there on set, he took the car back down the hill, had his guys completely repaint it on the set from this kind of flat black color to this polished, high-polished black with this red-orange striping that we don't see anymore on Batman stuff, but it's, it was super cool, super cool looking. And we see that this is the same guy that did like the Munster Mobile. Again, some of you guys don't know who Munsters are, but there was this Munster Mobile, and, and so he was telling about all this stuff. And, and I, I just, that, that hit me, and that's been so much what this year has been like for us, that, that the car is the same, the engine's the same, but God keeps repolishing us. And even sometimes on set, he's like, it's going to look different, but it's going to look better. Sometimes you, you may feel tugging and pulling and where it's frustrating that the car has to be on set, redone. Sometimes that's what our life feels like, but it's going to look better. And that image, that, that, that creation that God's making this to, the design of it is it, perfect. God knows what he's doing. God's just been transforming us as a community. He's made us deeper. He's made us stronger this year. I think in, in physical community, spiritual community, I believe in faith. I believe in our physical kind of makeup. He's made us stronger, and I'm so thankful for that. And just know that as God does those things in your life, it's for your good. It's not for your detriment. We can be so discouraged by when things seem to change because we become very rigid and non-flexible sometimes. But the kingdom of God is, a, is I believe, a flexible movement of people. I, I believe um, organization has its complete purpose, but I believe there's something organic about the church. The church doesn't grow through throwing mailers in the mail, but it grows through people like you and me who spread the gospel and spread the good news and bring people in. And, and, and so many of the ways and approaches, God has just deepened them and brought us back to the root of who he wants us to be, imaging and mirroring the, the early New Testament church. That's who we desire to to look like as best as we can, and we have our modern, you know, presentation, but the gospel in the church is still the same, and uh, I'm so encouraged by that, and sometimes that's tough to do, though, when it just feels like there's a fog, and you can't really see clearly, and you don't really see the end in sight, but it just takes faith. I'm so proud in 2013 that we've just embodied our first two core values of unconditional love and authentic community. But I don't really feel like we've yet to embody in the fullest extent that I believe that God desires us to, our last two core values, which is service and creativity. Service meaning serving as Jesus served. Uh, uh, many times we've had an um, image of evangelism looking like, um, you know, standing on a street, street corner shouting or bringing people into a room like this as evangelism. And there's an element of that that we do here. Um, but what we see in the Bible it was really in the streets, is on the workplace, and serving people right where they're at. I got to experience an incredible man in, in Australia in um, a very small Aboriginal community um, known as Nepabana. There's only about 40 people that live there. And the largest city, Adelaide, that's in South Australia, is about eight hours away from it. And um, some of you may know the story of, of Aboriginal people, but imagine the Holocaust and really even more intense than that. 
Um, I could tell you some things that would just make you cringe and make you want to throw up right now of how these people were treated. Uh, really, until this century, um, to like the 1950s, they were considered dogs. They weren't considered humans. Um, not so long ago, they were considered dogs. Just a, um, a real depravity um, from English people that lived there and, and treated the Aboriginal people that had lived there forever like garbage. And uh, I got to experience a, a missionary that had, do- had more degrees than everybody put together in this room. And um, he had submitted himself just to the call of God, and he did some things to make money, but that wasn't his calling. His calling was traveling eight hours, four of it on, on um, asphalt and four of it on rock dirt roads um, that traveled up and through mountains, four hours. He said on one journey um, with a, a church group, they, uh, or a church group from Australia, we were the first non-Australian people to, to visit these people. And um, he said one, one journey, there was three tires that popped. So just to give you a picture, three tires on one car that popped. I don't, they, I don't even know how they made it. They just had to load up in different cars. That's how rugged this journey was. The guy with all the degrees could be making all the money he wanted. He had resigned major positions, making lots of money. And he had resolved himself to traveling eight hours from his home base and where he lived um, on a re- regular basis Four, hour, four hours of it on dirt tra- travel to sit and build, rebuild engines with people, help people with their, their cars and rebuild their community and just love on people and be Jesus and, um, and share the gospel with them through service. And, and I believe that God in this very city, God is creating a vision for us to, to not just be servants, but to, to live in service. Um, let your bodies be spiritual, let your, your spiritual act of worship, and just that a living sacrifice that God's going to present us here in this community. And really creativity is not about the arts, which that's an element too. I feel like it, it's one of the pillars of Western civilization that our church is attempting to reach. But I, I also know and understand that what the depth of creativity is about God recreating the dead parts of our community, re- recreating in us the dead parts that your dead will rise, that Isaiah 26 passage about creating new life that some of you have experienced as you've been baptized this year in this very room, as you've um, rededicated your life to Jesus. You've experienced this. And I believe that God's going to give you really a depth of vision to not just be a disciple, but to be a disciple maker. And I really believe that that's what God's doing for some of you that are mature in your faith and some of you that are very early in your faith I believe that God's going to give you a vision to be a disciple maker, not just a disciple, because he called us all to do that, um, to, to shine the light of his love and his grace and mercy, um, and to, to, to make spiritual sons and daughters, to take people under your wing and love on them and to encourage them in their faith and to, to join with those that are weaker in their faith at that given time. That's what the body of Christ and the community of Fathom is really about, is not just unconditional love, but God making us into new beings. And I believe that we're going to experience that in greater forms in 2014. Um, It's been an incredible year, and I can't say enough about it. I could tell you story after story of God's just provision and life change. And if you come on our our one-year anniversary, you're going to hear some testimonies from people of just what God's been doing in their life. It's just going to be an incredible day of celebration I'm going to be sharing, I'm, I'm holding a lot back today about 2014 because I want to wait for that day and just uh, be a moment where 
God can uh, release that in us. Um, but, but today, I really want, want to just encourage you, and as we go into 2014, to be encouraged in our faith, to, to not look at 2013 as a loss or turmoil or whatever it might have been in your personal life. I pray that together as a unit, we'd be just so proud and excited about the work that God's doing here at Fathom Church and what's going to happen in 2014. Um, I, I'm so thrilled about it, and I would just encourage you, uh, this next couple of days, everybody's making resolutions and setting goals. My wife and I write ours down every year, and we write them down with all these categories and these goals that we have. We revisit them the following year. And um, I would encourage you, don't just, don't just make um, physical goals to get your body in shape, which that can, that's worship to the Lord, um, the temple that we have here. Um, but I, I also believe that we should be making some spiritual goals. Make some real spiritual goals. I remember a couple of weeks ago, um, we did a reverse Christmas list. And many of those things can pretty much be looked at as goals for 2014. I went back there and just kind of browsed through them. Nobody put their names on them. And I was just moved. Um, and, and I just get this vision for what would that look like if we actually did those. That, that wasn't just pen on paper, but it was... It was gospel on flesh, as 2 Corinthians 3 said. What would that look like? How empowering and life-changing would that be if we really begin to embody and live those principles out? If we just change one person at a time with the things we said of serving more, volunteering more, giving more, all those things, if we begin to embody those, what can we do together as a community? And it blows my mind. I'd pray in all the things that you kind of look to 2014, that you would sit down the next couple of days and just reflect on this year. I know you've probably already been doing it. But then ask God to inspire you on some real spiritual goals. Um, maybe you, you want to be more invested in your devotion to Jesus. Um, maybe you want to draw closer by fasting. Or, or um, just deeper in your relationship with others. Connecting in an anchor group. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. But I would ask you to set spiritual goals to have concerted prayer, to enlarge the territory in your life. And I believe that God's going to do that in your life. Um, and I know I'm kind of setting just a, a chill tone, but I pray that it's more reflection than anything and you wouldn't see a lack of enthusiasm and energy, but only um, the depth of the passion that I have to just pull it back and say, it's what God's been doing this year. And I believe he's going to do greater things in 2014. I believe that he can do that in my life. I believe that he can do that in your life. Um, but don't just... Don't just write a resolution, but put plans in place. Some of us, we stop far short. The reason we don't accomplish any of those things is because there's no plan in place. You just have a dream. You don't have a goal if there's no plan in place. So, so put a plan in place. What are you actually going to do? Be specific about your spiritual life. You don't want someone to be, if you were building a house, right? If you were building a house and kind of wrote some plans, you wouldn't just do kind of a, Etch a sketch drawing. You need detailed plans. How much more important is the spiritual life that we have? Um, let's write detailed plans. What we feel God doing in our life, write it down, share it with friends, with people within this community, and ask that God's going to do greater things. A lot of times we want things to happen right now. We want to see that. Um, but I love, I love the old example about if you could have a million dollars today, or if you could have one penny doubled every day for 30 days. Many of you have heard this. Which would you have? And most of us, we want the, the million dollars right now. You know, you see all this lottery money that's just blowing up. 
But we'd be making an unwise decision. We'd be making an unwise decision about our financial life if we said we want it all now. Because if you double a penny every day for 30 days, it's like $5.3 million. Whoa, that's a big difference. If you double it every day, it's incredible. And some of your, some of your spiritual lives may look like that. God's just doubling it every day. And be okay with that. Don't think you've got to have the million dollars today. Just be okay with the steady growth and the faithfulness that he's calling us to because there's an incredible reward at the end. That's what he's called us to. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, it wasn't about the fig tree not bearing fruit in that season. It was that the the fig tree wasn't bearing fruit in any season. And I believe that God wants us to be a people of fruit. I believe that's going to be 2014 for us. And so if you'll stand with me, I want to... um, to just offer a prayer up for us. And if you can agree with it, if you can believe that this has a prayer for you for a favor and blessing and fruit for 2014, I just want you to agree with it in prayer today. God, we thank you. We thank you for the peace that you have established for us that I can just sense in this room right now. I pray, God, that in um, this moment, God, in this, in this waiting for you for a new year, I pray that we would just find encouragement and, and know, God, that you have accomplished it for us and you will accomplish it for us, God, in the, the work that you began, you will complete. God, I pray for, for every single person that's in this room that they would experience your presence in deeper and greater ways in this very moment in 2014. God, our hearts would Swing wider and wider to your presence, God. We'd open ourselves up to your will. And not just your will, God, but to your way. That you want to lead us the way you want us to live. I pray that we'd push aside our selfish desires and selfish mentalities and embody the gospel. We would live it out, God. We would be serving in our community, God. We would be bringing that to people on a daily basis. Pray for those, God, that their faith has been small in 2013. I I pray our faith would be large in 2014. God, for those that feel like we've been moving all over on this physical journey, I pray that we'd find rest in the spiritual journey that you've called us to. To be known by you, to be loved by you, to be a light for you. Let me give you praise today. Christ's holy name. Christ's holy name.